Welcome to Latinos Who Tech. My name is Hugo Castellanos. I'm an engineer. I work anywhere I want because it's 2020. In this episode, I spoke with uh, my friend Cristina Costa. Cristina Costa is a learning and development professional and career coach focused on humanizing tech. She hails from Boston, Massachusetts, and has been part of organizations like Drift, HubSpot, and Women with Purpose. We had a very enriching conversation about the human side of tech. Uh, she told us her story, how networking has helped her break into the industry, and most importantly, how is not only what you know, but also who you know, uh, how she builds authentic connections with professionals. And as a career coach, she dispelled some of the myths in the industry. Uh, so things like, uh, again, is it for anyone? Uh, do you have to be have more experience? Is it better for you if you have five, six years of experience before reaching out to a career coach? So things like that. We spoke about uh, how a career coach can help you land your dream job. So Christina currently serves as a career program manager with Outco. Uh, Outco is a coaching and skill sharpening service for software engineers. And since 2016, Outco has helped more than 1,600 software engineers land jobs at top companies like Google, Facebook, Microsoft, and Amazon. And before going into the episode, I want to thank uh, our sponsor for this show today. It's uh, Shep. You often heard me talk about Shep and how it's helped me become the professional I am today. And I'm happy to announce that they're sponsoring the show today for this episode. So if you're looking for your dream job or internship, the Shep National Convention is happening right around the corner. So it's going to be October 26th through the 31st. So you are just in time to register. And it's the easiest way to land your next opportunity. You can join thousands of professionals on this virtual gathering, and they're going to be offering cutting-edge content and workshops, and actually speaking in two of them. I'm doing one in collaborating in a virtual world, and I'm going to be doing a podcast with my friend Eileen Tapia. She's a first-generation Mexican-American and a consultant with Accenture. So really excited about that. So the SHEP National Convention includes more than 200 Co uh, workshops, 200 workshops on on demand sessions, some that will be pre-recorded, and they will be available for a full year after the convention. And you're also going to have access to 250 plus world-class companies. So go register right now to shep.org 2020. That's shpe.org slash 2020. And now, the new episode with Cristina Costa from Outco. Because uh, as, you, as you mentioned before, right? So you didn't know that you were going to end up in tech. So Not at all. Not at all. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's get, uh, let's get it started then. Uh, Cristina. Sí. Welcome to Latinos Who Tech. Thank you for making the time. Gracias. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And you're officially the first uh, Guatemalteca in the show. So, you know, kudos to you. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Chapina power. Chapina power. Yeah, we've had chapines, but not chapinas. So, uh, oh, kudos to you. Okay, then. I'm excited. I'm excited to be happy. Yeah. 
So what's on your mind? Tell me your story. Oof. Uh, so where do you want me to start? Because I have many, many stories. Do you want to know about my tech career path? Or do you want to know more about what drives me? Um, do you want to know I'm what I'm curious on what drives you. I'm curious on what drives you, actually. Uh, I mean, because you're the, uh, you know, half Brazilian, half Guatemalan, growing up in Boston. Uh, I'm sure that was a quite unique experience for you. Uh, so I'm curious <laughs> on what drives you, you know, what drives you, what uh, keeps yeah. you going. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, I was born and raised in Cambridge and then Boston. Um, so I am, you know, a Massachusetts girl. Um, and many times in a lot of my classrooms, I was one of few Latinas uh, in the classrooms. I did go to public school um, until I went to college. So when I, when I went to Boston College, that was my first real encounter with like mm -hmm. social economic classes that were different. Um, and just really seeing the amount of the disparity between, you know, the people of color who went to BC who mainly were like athletes, right? People who, who got scholarships. And then the people who were just there because mommy and daddy could write that check, right? So it was, that was my first real encounter with like, wow, there's a lot of wealthy white people out there. <laughs> um, so for me, my mission has always been to empower marginalized people. Um, and the way I empower people is by educating people. That's always been pa a passion of mine. Both my parents are in education. My mother is actually an ESL teacher. Uh, so she works with young immigrant students between first and fourth grade. Um, and then my father is a principal. Uh, he was actually a teacher for 15 years before that. So he was a Spanish teacher and now he is a principal of an elementary school. Funny enough, it's the only bilingual elementary school in Cambridge. It's called the Amigos School. I was actually in that program when I was little. Uh, and now he's the principal, which is again, 180, right? The world is funny how the world works. That's fantastic. So for me, yeah, education's always been a big piece of my life. Um, and I just, I've seen how important it is for people to be educated and not necessarily on your typical, like, you know, learn philosophy or learn this or like learn economics, but more so educating people on things that really will make an impact in their life, like helping people with financial literacy or educating people on how to start their own businesses or educating people on you know, negotiation, like we were talking about before, like salary right. negotiation. These are things people never get to learn in school. And these are skills that people really need in their lives to thrive. So that for me is what drives me. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, that sounds, that sounds exactly, uh, that's exactly aligned with what we do in the podcast, right? It's Yay. about, uh, <laughs> you know, how, how can we connect folks with opportunity? And, and again, you know, people, people that listen to this that are curious on play, working at places like Google, Facebook, what have mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like listen to learning about the stories of the folks that have made it. And yeah. I think that you have a quite a unique perspective because uh, you didn't start out working in tech. Uh, so I'm curious on how do you find your way into tech, you know, oh working God. in Boston and how, how, how do you find your way? Yeah. So... That is a story. So actually, after college, I moved abroad. I lived abroad for three and a half years. Um, so when I graduated, what did you study? I actually studied marketing communications and Latin American studies. That uh, was my uh, minor. 
and studied abroad in Mexico. That's why I studied abroad in Mexico for a semester. And that's where I really, really fell in love with traveling and just learning about other cultures and living other places and just really expanding my mind um, to see how other people live across the world. So after I did that program, I was like, okay, after I graduate, I'm out. I'm not staying. I'm going to go somewhere. I'm out. I don't want to be here. Um, and when I graduated, it was actually a recession. It was 2009. It was a recession. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go find a job in another country because there's no jobs here. <laughs> so right. I ended up actually teaching um, English in Japan. I was in Japan right outside of Tokyo for two years teaching English. Uh, and during that time, I taught high school. Um, during that time, I traveled all over Asia and just took as much time as possible to explore the world. Um, and then after that, I was like, I still didn't want to go back. So I was like, let me go travel somewhere else. So I ended up going to Spain and teaching English in Spain um, for a year as well and traveling all through Europe. So I just, I was living my best life. Um, and, then, and then after that, I was like, okay, okay, the Spanish economy was not that good. So I'm like, okay, let me, let me figure out what I want to do next. So at the time, I really thought I wanted to do business. I was like, oh, I'm going to do international business. Like I speak Spanish, English, Japanese. Um, you know, I could use that to my advantage. I'm going to get a, you know, a job at a university, go to school for free. I didn't want to pay for school. So <laughs> I moved back to Boston, um, ended up getting a job at Northeastern University. And I was actually an international student advisor for about almost two years. So I did an MBA program there while also working full-time um, as an international student advisor. And then funny enough, as an advisor is when I started meeting so many engineers because all of my student workers were yep. Indian or Chinese international students. Yep. Who were all, all the folks with uh, all the folks with F1 visas, right? Yes, so, all the F1 folks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, was, so, I, I was one of them at you some were point, one of them. So, yes. So yeah, I'm like OPT. <laughs> T, CPT, F1, J1, Queen. Mm -hmm. I, I'm used to know it all. Uh, so I yep. met so many engineers just working in that office. And I started asking them questions, like especially a lot of my Indian engineers, because I noticed that a lot of the engineering students were Indian, right? Or computer science students or information systems, anything with like tech, it seemed to be like right. Indian students. And I was curious, I would always just ask them, I'd be like, oh, you know, like Deepak, or, you know, one of my students, I'd be like, why, why did you choose engineering? Like, why did you choose that? And he would say, and it was always kind of the same answer. Somebody would say, oh, well, my father was an engineer. So like, I knew I wanted to do engineering or, oh, my uncle is an engineer. So I always knew I wanted to be an engineer. So right. it just came up this, it was a recurring theme of, there was always someone around them, a role model they had who was working as an engineer. And so they always knew this existed for them. Whereas I feel like in the Latino community, there weren't that many engineers, there weren't that many role models. So nobody ever really thought that that could be a path that they could go down. Normally, Latino parents want you to be either working in law as a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, or like somewhere in healthcare, right? Um, right. For the most part, right? Or business, right? That's like it. They don't even think about tech, at least in my experience, um, they don't even think about tech as an, op as an option because there's just no one that they know in that field. So that was really interesting. So from there, I ended up working at PayPal, um, which was my first tech job, totally by coincidence. Um, a friend of mine who had, I had done an internship was, with a while back. Yeah. It was through a Facebook post, right? It was through a Facebook post. Yeah, Facebook <laughs> post. I was job searching. I was like, okay, I need to make a little money. Awesome. I, need to, I want a job in advertising. I thought I wanted to go back into marketing advertising. So I was like, let me look, see what's out there. 
Um, my friend, she posted on Facebook that PayPal was hiring for an advertising operations role. I saw it. I just happened to be on Facebook and I was like, oh, I hit her up and she ended up getting me an interview. And I think I told you this before. She was the only black woman at PayPal. When I got the interview and I got the job, I was the only Latina at PayPal um, in the Boston office. And that's really was my first introduction into tech and seeing just the amount of opportunity and the amount of money you can make. I was like, okay, I need to get more people of color in here. <laughs> I don't think enough people know about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, cause like money buys you choices, right? Exactly. Uh, and, and, and that's another thing. Cause I, I find that a lot of folks, they spend a lot of time focused on great. I mean, you do have to learn, like you have to be good at something, right? Whether it's a, uh, coding or mm -hmm. again hardware yep. or even like folks that are working customer success or sales yep. or what have yep. you i mean tech companies need those too you need yep. to be good at one of those but ultimately it's about who you know that's how you get into these these, these companies into this space like you 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 met your your friend at paypal and you were able to get your way in yeah so yeah. even yeah, in northeast never underestimate yeah in northeastern the only reason i got the job because a friend of mine worked in the HR department in Northeastern. I mean, it, it really is. Wow. And, I, I, and this is why my motto in life, and I'll share it with you guys, copywritten, just kidding. But it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> your, your, net, your network is your net worth. It really, and then I'm a 100% I'm believer in that because, you know, people want to go to Harvard. People want to go to, you know, uh, Princeton or whatever. People want to go to all these, like, Ivy League universities, not necessarily because the education is better. It's the network, right? A hundred percent. That's what you're paying for. Like I went to Boston College. I know for a fact that I got I've gotten jobs before because people have seen. Oh, she went to Boston College. So oh, I went to Boston College and she did too. Let me give her an opportunity, right? So yeah, you definitely pay for that network. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and 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 you see that companies like uh, I remember there was um. I met a hiring manager at, at mm -hmm. a company mm -hmm. and, uh, and again, like I won't say the name of the company, but I realized after a couple conversations that for some reason in their team, mm -hmm. there was a lot of people from Purdue. And then I dug a little bit deeper and I found out that the VP of that division had gone to Purdue. So guess which resumes found their way up the stack? Yeah, <laughs> so. 100%. And that, I saw the same things. I still see the same things happening. Um, and I, that's, you know, an issue that it's, uh, that is definitely a failure on the, on the recruiting process. Um, yeah, 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 I agree. And, and, and again, it's not, it's not necessarily nepotism. Um, I don't, I don't want to use that word, but let's say that you have 500 people applying to a job and you have 10 spots at the top for mm -hmm. referrals. Mm -hmm. And again, if you see a job wreck, it's because you need somebody to help you with that job now. Yeah. Not, not in a month, not in a week, no, now. Yep. So if you have the advantage, the opportunity to get into those 10 slots, they have reserved for referrals, mm -hmm. either because you went to a target school or because you got an internal referral. I mean, that's, that's where you want to be. You want to be in a position of strength. Yep. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, and unfortunately, that's, that's, 
as I said before, that's been a huge roadblock, right, for yeah. people getting into tech because you have the same pools of people. And if, it's, if there's no diversity at a company, right, if there's no diversity on the recruitment team, if they're looking at the same pools of people, the same universities, then what are you going to get? The same thing, right? Exactly. And that's why there needs to be, that's why it's so important to have diversity at your company, to have those different perspectives and have the different pools of people that you can pull from because there's talent everywhere, right? There's mm -hmm. talent everywhere. And just because you went to a certain school doesn't mean that you're more talented or more intelligent or more, uh, hardworking or deserving than someone who maybe went to a state school or somebody who went to a boot camp or somebody, you know, if anything, I've, I've found that people who've gone to like boot camps are a lot grittier and hardworking and determined in my experience. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, I'm curious on, and again, cause I, I have this image of a, and you probably mentioned this before that a HubSpot, in Boston, mm -hmm. uh, HubSpot is kind of like the Google in, yeah. in town, right? It's the, the cool software-based company, what have you. Um, yep. There's edX there as well. You know, yes. At least when I hear Boston and I think tech, that's, that's what yep. I think. Yep. Um, so what was it like to be at HubSpot? What, what did you enjoy about your experience there? Yeah, so that was a while back. Um, what I think what, for me, when I got to HubSpot, I think what amazed me the most were just like, the benefits that you have. So for example, unlimited vacation time. Like I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I've never seen something like that before. Um, so that was just amazing. And then obviously like they had free food all the time. You could just go get snacks and drinks and whatever you wanted. And there was a barista on site free. And I was like, that for me was all just like when I first arrived, it was definitely like a culture shock because I'd never seen something definitely. like that. Um, and then very similar to like, you know, the Google offices, like it was just a beautiful office, right? You had massage chairs and nap rooms and hammocks. And for me, it, it was just like another world. Um, and it felt, yeah, I just felt like I was in like a, the twilight zone. I was like, is this really an office? Is this really how it happens? But I went, that, that's one part that I really enjoyed. And the other part was definitely the training. Um, I will say that HubSpot, out of every company I probably worked at, had the best training. Um, it was a good month, solid month of training before you could even start your, your role. Um, so I felt very prepared and invested into too. Um, I would say that one of the things that I did help create at HubSpot was one of their first ERGs. They didn't have any employee resource groups when I was there. There was no diversity, anything. Um, yeah, so I actually helped build the first group called the People of Color at HubSpot, POCA. Um, and it came out of, you know, at the time when I was there was when like Trayvon Martin situation happened and there was things going on and, and just nothing was being addressed um, in the company. And then that's when me and a few colleagues realized okay, we need to create a space for us to be able to talk about these things um, and discuss how this is affecting us because mm. the fact that it's not being addressed too um, at that point was, was an issue. Um, and that came from, again, a lack of diversity. I think when I was at HubSpot, and this was back in 2015, right? I was there 2015 to 2017. Um, there was maybe, it was about 800 employees and maybe 80 people of color. Right, so that, that yeah. says a lot in itself. <laughs> um, so, Christina, 
tell me a bit about, you know, career coaching. And uh, like, I know you're at Outco now, so it's a uh, focus on that space of career coaching uh, for yes. people that want to work in software engineering roles. Yeah. It, but I'm curious on, you know, from your perspective, for the mm -hmm. folks that have never had a career coach before, uh, how can a career coach help me? Yeah. So career coaching is funny because it, it kind of came up very organically for me um, because for the past, so I'll give you a little bit of insight to my past. So for the past five years, um, as well as working in tech in different, in a different capacity of roles, I've had so many different roles, which is crazy. My coworkers now always laugh because they're like, we don't know how to introduce you. Like you've done so many things. And I'm like, yeah, I just stick to career coach. It's fine. Um, so for the past five years, I've actually been running an organization in the Boston area called Women with Purpose, which specifically provides professional development workshops and resources to women of color. Um, and the reason I did that was just because I felt very blessed and very privileged. And I had a very, um, you know, supportive household. Both my parents, I said before, worked in education. So I always knew the value of education. Um, and there were things that I learned along the way that my parents taught me that I felt like a lot of people, especially a lot of women of color, just didn't know. And so I really wanted to create a platform and a space, an inclusive, safe space for women of color to be educated on different topics that they maybe wouldn't learn in school. So for example, topics like salary negotiation, topics like how to speak in public, like public speaking, things that like people don't think about. They're like, oh, well, why is public speaking important? Well, if you're giving a presentation at work, that's public speaking, right? You have to be able to communicate effectively to get your point across and get the things that you want. Um, so I, you know, we taught classes on that. We would teach courses on financial literacy. That was always a huge one. Um, we even went on to do courses on like mental and emotional health. Um, civic engagement was a big one for me, like how to become more civically engaged in local politics. Great. Yes. Thank you for painting that That's picture. Can you tell me, you know, what are like uh, two or three things that people get wrong about career coaching? Like some myths that they have on what it's like. So I think, I think career coaching, so we're, sorry, we got cut off before. So career coaching, I think the reason that people look for a career coach, right, is because a lot of times people feel stuck. They feel like they've been in a rut, that they've kind of been in this job where they don't really know if this is what they want to do. They're not really fe feeling fulfilled anymore. Um, and they're really looking for a sense of like purpose. It's really important to them. Um, what I've noticed more and more, especially with the engineers that I work with and other clients I've worked with in the past too for career coaching, it's really just a sense of self that people are looking mm. for. Um, confidence, right? A lot of times people lose their confidence at work, whether it's from a manager who made you feel terrible about yourself. Um, to be honest, it's mainly managers. It's, it's mainly issues with management that I've, that I've dealt with where people have felt they weren't valued or they weren't supported or they weren't right. empowered by their manager. Um, and therefore they've lost their sense of confidence in themselves. Right. And they think, Oh, you know, there's this dream that I have, but I don't think I can do it. Right. So it's really getting them to that point of getting them to believe in themselves and really getting them to have that confidence that they don't need validation from other people. Right. Yes. Your manager could be a jerk, but if you know, 
your worth and you know your skill sets and you know the value that you bring to a company or the value that you bring to your role, if you know that about yourself, then you don't need the validation from your manager. You don't need the validation from other people, right? So it's really helping people build up their confidence um, and, and finding their own voice. And it's different for everybody, right? It's gonna be a different uh, journey for everyone. Some people take longer than others. Um, and some people, they just immediately are like, wow, like all I really needed to do was just talk to somebody and vent right. and talk a little yeah. bit about what I'm going through and have someone just practice active listening and asking the right questions. So for me, career coaching is just really helping people kind of redirect themselves and find themselves and find their voice and their confidence. So it's not telling somebody that's, that's this beautiful. is what you're going to do beautiful. next. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, and, and, and again, so I think like that's one of the misunderstandings about career coaching that uh, we, we are not going to do the work for you. And mm -hmm. we don't have like a model that one size fits all kind of thing. Yeah. Um, there are some tools, some frameworks and yep. uh, things that, you know, like people use. Yep. To, to help people find their, again, like uh, this exercise, like the, the five whys exercise, like ask yeah. yourself, why are you doing this? Five times, mm -hmm. go down the ladder. Mm -hmm. um, there's mm -hmm. things like the, this um, love it or loathe it exercise that uh, you capture throughout your work week. What are the things that you're doing that really energize you and the things yes. that you are really, really, really disliking? Um, yeah. So kind of you can focus your energy on looking for jobs that, grab those two or three things that really energize you? I actually spend a whole um, section in one of my, my lessons, and actually one of the first lessons I do on actually managing your energy and your time, because that's a big one, right? It's like, hmm. like a lot of times people aren't very conscious about where they spend their time and they kind of just go through the motions. And it's like taking your life from being reactive to actually being proactive. And to be proactive, you have to plan and be uh, intentional about where it is that you want to spend your time and you want to spend your energy um, and not spend your energy in places like you just mentioned that deplete your energy, right? You want to be in places that are going to give you more energy and that you're going to enjoy the stuff that you're doing. Um, because at the end of the day, and I tell this to all my clients, right? At the end of the day, we live in a capitalist society. Unfortunately, we have to work, right? <laughs> um, you know, unless you're like a trust fund baby, you have to work. Um, and so you spend the majority of your time at work during the week, during the weekdays. So if you're somewhere where you're miserable, like you're going to bring that back with you to your home as well. Right. So it really is a holistic approach because if you're doing stuff that you, that you find purposeful and fulfilling and that you enjoy, like you're, you're already going to feel better because you're doing stuff that you actually enjoy doing. Right. And then that's going to kind of, spill over into other parts of your life because if you feel satisfied there and happy there then you're going to feel happy when you leave as well whereas if you're in a place that you absolutely hate you hate your manager you you're miserable the work that you're doing is not fulfilling you're just waiting for the clock to strike so you can leave um that sense of of anxiety that sense of like not feeling worthy and not feeling useful that's going to also spill over into other parts of your life so it really is like a whole thing Definitely. I'm yeah. curious on how do you coach people on networking? I mean, I can clearly see that, again, for folks like us, uh, yep. again, like in, in my case, I met you, I, I went through, I went to one of your webinars. 
I really like your style. Thank I you. reached out to you via LinkedIn. We connected, mm -hmm. had a, yeah. again, we had a, a, a warm conversation. And then I'm like, I invited you in. Um, so I'm very, very direct in that yeah. sense on how I network. I'm very intentional in the sense yeah. that I, I network to bring people to my show and to help them yeah. uh, expand their professional brand, their reach, and I bring people so my audience can learn. Uh, you know, the, the two or three people that listen to this, they can get some value out of it. And yeah. hopefully they can get jobs in tech and again, uh, build the next big thing. Others, or help others get jobs in tech. So you have, have honestly, Hugo, you have the perfect approach. Um, that's literally what Thank I you. teach in one of my classes. We actually have a, a strategy that we call reverse recruiting. Um, and technically, it, it's literally what it sounds like. You're instead of waiting for a recruiter to reach out to you, you actually reach out to the recruiter yourself, right? So that's why we call it reverse recruiting because you're recruiting for yourself. Um, so I love, I love the fact that you just you mentioned that that you saw me in a webinar, you thought what I was what I said was interesting, you thought maybe I could be a good fit for your podcast, and you actually were proactive and reached out to me. And it wasn't just a, a message that was like hey, you know, I have, or are you looking for a job or, you know, or hey, like, liked your speech, then ended it, right? There was actually a call to action in there saying, like, would you like to be featured on my podcast? This is, you know, the kind of content that I, that I give, um, and I think you'd be a great fit, right? So it's really about being intentional, like you just mentioned. You don't want to just reach out to anyone, right? You want to make right. sure, like, you have, we actually call it a prospect list where you, this is for specifically for job seekers, right? If you're a job seeker, right. you're looking to um, increase your network and, and really reach out to people that may help you in your job and your career path, whether that's a recruiter, whether that's a hiring manager, whether that's another software engineer at a company that you're really interested in working at and you just want to learn from their experience, right? Um, there's many ways that you can think of who it is that you want to reach out to, but you have to be intentional about who it is that you want to reach out to. And then once you know the person you want to reach out to, you do a little research, right? You don't just send them a message saying, hey, like, here's my resume. I'd be great for this company and then leave it. Um, you want to send right. a message that actually has some substance to it. So something like, you know, like, hey, Bob, you know, I was reading your, your uh, introduction. I really like the fact that you enjoy working with people from diverse backgrounds. Um, I happen to be a diverse candidate. I think I would be a great addition to the team at blah, whatever company it is. Um, would you have a chance to connect in the next week or so 15 minutes, right? Always end it with a, with a question. You always want to end your message with some type of like a CTA, a call to action, right? Like, can we meet in right. the next week for 30 minutes, right? You don't want to leave it just open-ended because then somebody can just be like, ah, oh, I guess they don't really want a response. They just wanted to let me know they thought it was, that I was cool or they liked my company, right? So you want to make sure it's intentional, that it has substance to it, the message. And lastly, that you have a question at the end an ask. You always want to end with an ask. Um, and then hopefully if the person likes your message and if they see it, they'll respond. If not, this is the other thing we, we teach too. If not, move on to the next, right? It's nothing personal. Right. Don't take it right. uh, personal. That's why you have a list, right? That's why you have a list. You have your list. You're like, okay, I didn't hear back from this person. Cool. I'm going to hit up the next person. Um, but don't do a template. Like that's the other thing. It's like teaching especially engineers. I'm like, you cannot automate this process. There's no AI for this mm -hmm. process, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah, I, I, and it's like, I can, I can tell, right? Like, I can read through it, right? I can totally yeah. tell that, oh, 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 yeah, you're just 
you're just writing to me now. Yeah, yeah, or because yeah. your CRM told you, you know, so it's like, uh, so you fall into so this line. But, mm -hmm. I'm sure you do too. I get so many LinkedIn messages of people trying to sell me things or send me things that have nothing to do with any, that are not relevant at all to my, the role that I play or the kind of work that I do. And what's the first thing I do? I archive. I'm like, yeah, I'm not mm -hmm. responding to that, right? So you need to yeah. make sure you, you provide some value in that message and not just an ask for you know someone to do something for you just because right right um, can i can i share can, can yeah, i share with ahead. you uh, one of the things that i like to do yeah uh, so in that first that first uh that first touch so that first yeah. contact with with the person i like to say at the end instead of a cta of hey let's uh, meet on the next week or two for 15 minutes yeah i like i like to say genuinely you know something that i found uh, that i enjoy about the person something so for example if i hey i really enjoy your article talking about networking from home yep. uh, you have a new reader by the way oh. i'm sure you're busy i'm sure you're busy no need to reply send and that works so and it works in the sense that And again, I don't know if this is natural language, um, again, like uh, just language training or what have you, yeah. but people, when they see that, no need to reply, they reply. <laughs> so interesting. I'm gonna yeah, try yeah. That. Try it, try it. I'm definitely uh, gonna try that. I like that and, a lot. And, uh, no, no, thank you for that. And, and what happens is that I would just want to take away the pressure that they may have of, oh my gosh, I have 300 emails in my inbox. I need to get to this random guy that I don't know. Oh, but he said something nice about me. So, may, may, oh, no need to reply. Oh man, that, that's thoughtful reply. Yeah. And that's my <laughs> second piece of it. That's my second piece of advice for people who have um, trouble networking or feel uncomfortable or awkward or just very introverted, right? People, we don't have that problem because we're very extroverted people, right? But no, people I, I can are, tell, I can tell. <laughs> for people who are introverted, maybe a little bit more intimidating. So another thing I always tell my students um, and my, my engineers is, you know, don't be interesting, be interested, right? So when you, let's say for example, you know, after Corona and we can actually meet people in public and network again, face-to-face -face, right um it's so easy to just go up to someone and just be like hey like what brought you here what brought you here to this event just open it up with a question you know a lot of times people feel like they just need to have their resume and shove it in someone's face and be like i'm an engineer with five years of experience and i have react and javascript and node and i can do all these things and then the person's kind of left like Ooh, i'm gonna go that way <laughs> right yeah. so People like to talk about, and I tell my students this all the time, people love to talk about themselves. So if you can just ask them questions about themselves, they will automatically open up and like you. And then later on, naturally throughout the conversation, you can start talking about the job or you can start talking about your resume or your skill sets, right? But let that naturally flow because genuine, I mean, at the end of the day, people hire who they like and that's mm -hmm. just it. People hire who they like. So you want to be likable. And to be likable, you have to be interested, genuinely interested, not just waiting to talk, but actually listening, right? Um, yeah. No, I hear you 100%. Uh, that, that's like, um, that's textbook uh, Carnegie, right? Uh, yeah. 
yeah. how to how to meet friends and influence people. Yep. How to make friends influence people. Love that book. And <laughs> I wish I wish that he had had a marketing person help him out with that title. Because it sounds it sounds a bit creepy it nowadays. Bad. It, it sounds very like manipulative. It kind of is yeah. though. <laughs> but but again, the way I look at it is that great. Like uh, I have an iPhone and I could use my iPhone to again look at TikTok all day, or I can use my iPhone to make content or record podcasts and what have you. Mm -hmm. So it's like mm -hmm. you can have the tool, right? But yep. how you use it, that's on you yeah and and i find that people that are and don't worry i'll i'll cut that out worcester <laughs> see see oh you're in worcester i'm in uh like do you know ashmont i don't know if you know the, the red line but i'm like right off the red line but they do fireworks here every night i don't understand in serio. In serio. Are we celebrating? <laughs> i don't know i don't know but oh uh, for i feel bad for cats and dogs and Life for it, it's rough for them. Every night, I'm like, it's, it's a Wednesday. Why? Why are we doing fireworks? Yeah, people it. are at home, they're bored. They're I know. bored. But I'm like, you don't um, need to just spend on fireworks, I guess. <laughs> say, <laughs> it, so, the thing about Carnegie is that um, I love the stuff. I love the stuff. I, I make a point that I, I, I reread the book every two years. Mm -hmm. I actually I have a reminder in my calendar that, hey, Hugo, it's summertime. It, time to reread it, right? I should and, and 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 I find that it's it's a really good uh, when for people that want to get the basics on mm -hmm. how to network. I find that it's a great book. Mm -hmm. It has uh, some great stories on how to do it, how not to do it. Uh, but again, you have to look at the author, right? Like it was written in the nineteen twenties, thirties. He's this super wealthy white american guy mm -hmm. so it's on you to bring that authenticity to it uh, 100%. and then um, and the fact that you know when maybe for us it's not again the conversation started can be about hey do you do any fishing this weekend no like uh, or oh did you take care of your boat this weekend like yeah. no that's not the conversation started <laughs> like, <laughs> see, see, no, no, it's like, uh, no, look at what you know, look at the family yeah. around you. Yeah. Think about that Theo, Thea, that always has a good story to mm -hmm. tell. Mm -hmm. And look at the patterns, right? Look yeah. at the patterns. Like, uh, I have an uncle, but he's so good at telling jokes. And sometimes when we get together in Christmas time, I will specifically ask him to tell him, tell me the, a joke that I already know the, the ending and everything. Just because I love the way that he delivers it. Delivery is everything. Actually, yeah. it's funny because um, we teach that as well in, in, at Outco during our program is um, we teach the difference between body language, tone, and actual content, right? So uh, we had, there's a famous sociologist, his name is Moravian. Uh, Moravian communication theory, right, is that actually 55% of the way that we perceive a message is actually coming from body language, right? 55%. And then something like 38% is tone, like pitch tone, like the way that we deliver it. And then 8% is the content. So the way that people deliver and their language and the way that they move is actually so much more important and impactful than what they actually say, which is really interesting. 
um, storytelling is huge too, right? Like that's a really big talent. Like storytelling, people love stories and that's how people really remember things is through storytelling. Mm -hmm. So we also train our, our, our engineers on being able to, to tell their story, especially for the, you know, the question that tell me about yourself question that you normally will get during an interview process. That's your opportunity to do a little storytelling because they're not necessarily wanting to know everything that's on your resume. They already have your resume. They want to know who you are outside of your resume. What drives you? What motivates you? Um, what is it that you enjoy doing? Why engineering? Why front end? Why back end? Right? Why, you know, what is it that, that makes you excited about coding or excited about whatever it is that you're trying to do? Um, that's your opportunity to, to really stand out and tell your story. And, and everyone has a unique story. It's all about how you position it. So, that's something right. we also really teach is, is the, the value of storytelling because a lot of people don't, don't think that that's valuable, but it really, it really is. It's such a talent to be able to storytell because um, I, I remember, I know for myself, I remember stories so much more than I remember just like a random answer here or there, right? Stories mm -hmm. really stay with you um, and resonate. Definitely. Um, yeah. So something I like to do when... When again, when I have a, somebody that reaches out to me or, or a customer that, or even people that listen to this show that, hey, Hugo, I have an interview in two weeks. Uh, how should I get prepared for it? Mm -hmm. The way that I like to go about it is that look at the job description, look at what they're asking for, mm -hmm. and then look at yourself and find two or three stories that showcase how you are good at the things they're asking for. Mm. So if you find that if you find that they're asking for somebody, okay, we need a customer success manager, somebody that owns the customer requests from mm -hmm. beginning to end. Mm -hmm. Then find the story from your past where you own a project for a customer mm -hmm. from beginning to end. It doesn't have to be as a customer success manager. Yeah. It can be something that you did for, again, for a volunteering organization yeah. or something that you did as a side project. But if you come up with a story that shows that, hey, you should hire me. Why? Because I already know how to do this. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's so many skills that are transferable. And I think that's one of the biggest um, disparities in having more Latinos in tech or even Black people in tech um, is they think, oh, well, because I, I know whenever I've spoken at events and I'm at events with Latinos and I'm like, you guys should work in tech. Like there's so many opportunities. They're like, well, I'm not an engineer or I'm not a computer science person or I'm not a coder. And I'm like, neither am I. <laughs> I've worked in tech for six years. Um, and I right. like, oh, I'm like, there's so many roles here that are transferable. Like every tech company has marketing. Every tech company has HR, finance, sales, um, you know, every department that you would have in any other company, right? It just, a piece of it is product, of course, and that's the engineers, but that's a very small percentage of the company. The rest of the company runs like any other company, right? You need customer success, you need support, technical support, you need you know, all these different things that are transferable. Um, I just remember when I worked at HubSpot, the majority of my colleagues, I was a customer success manager at HubSpot and I worked with Latam and, and uh, US customers. And the majority of my colleagues were like philosophy majors, like mm -hmm. <laughs> or English yep. majors. Like there was no one there who was like, 
there was no customer success major. That's not a thing, right? So like so exactly. many of your students are transferable. Um, it, again, it's all about just the people that you know and what opportunities they open up to you. But there are so many opportunities in tech that people I think are not aware of because they have this like stigma in their mind that I have to be a coder mm-hmm. or like a developer to work in tech. And that's not the case at all. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. And, and also not underestimating uh, contracting jobs. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. I have a friend that, uh, I, I won't say her name because I want to bring her to the, to the show at some point. And she was a school teacher. Mm-hmm. So she was teaching, she was, she was teaching mathematics uh, mm-hmm. at a K-12 school and she wanted to get into tech. So she, she actually found a job at uh, Zendesk mm-hmm. as, a, as a receptionist. And it's a contracted role. Again, yep. it's like a six to nine months and she got in, her foot in the door through, a, through this contracting job. Yep. Then she networked her butt off like she networked inside the company understanding the business model who the customers are uh, the relationships how those engineering work with marketing with sales and she was able to convert to a full-time role Mm -hmm. as an admin inside the company wow yeah and now and now she's the personal assistant to the ceo wow okay (laughs) moving on up So, hey, so she did, uh, so she did, she did this like in a year and a half, uh, just yeah. again, again, sheer work ethic. Right. And the fact that again, she comes, she comes from a background in education. So the, her power is that she's not afraid of saying, I don't know, but I'll find out. So that's a, that's a, that to me is super inspiring. The fact that, it, you know, she, she, she got to go where she's at because again, networking and all those things. And it's funny because that now that you mentioned that like education, like I was a teacher, right, for three and a half years before I worked at Northeastern. So I've always worked in education in some sense, right? And a lot of my skills, my teaching skills, like, you know, being able to speak in public, being able to present something, being able to teach concepts, right, and having the patience to like walk someone through things. Those are all transferable skills that I brought with me to HubSpot, right, as a customer success manager. Like I went from teaching high school students to then teaching business owners like marketing teams and business owners how to best utilize the tools the hubspot marketing software for their business needs so like a lot of that is super transferable like it's teaching not in the same capacity but you're still teaching and it's funny because now i'm teaching again right now i I teach i'm a career coach and i build the curriculum for the career program at alco and i actually teach the classes as well so i'm still teaching it's just in a different way it's funny like the world again of course world just you know i I somehow found the intersection between tech and teaching and career development and all the things that i love to do so i I feel very fantastic where i am that's fantastic and (laughs) and i hope that everybody can you know land their dream job at some point uh i'm able to to find that intersection it was worth it right i i do yeah, think definitely. i think everything happens for a reason um and i tell my students this as well and and my clients for career coaching i tell them you know sometimes you have to go you have to go through the bad times and you have to go through the ups and downs to really understand what it is that you want 
and what it is that you do not want. Um, life is a journey, right? And we're just trying to figure it out. But hopefully a career coach can help you along the way so you can uh, figure it out a little bit sooner. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the other currency, right? Time. Uh, the fact that, the, the fact that uh, uh, and again, here comes the paradox, right? That, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm, I need to do, for example, like, oh, I need to do this podcast and I could learn how to edit and how to do the graphic design and all those things from the ground up. And mm -hmm. I could learn it, I could figure it out, or I could hire somebody to make the logo for me and all those things. Mm -hmm. And I could mm -hmm. tell, tell them about the branding that I want and mm -hmm. they could do in an hour something that would take me a week. Yeah. So it's having that realization that you don't have to do everything yourself, that it's okay to ask for help uh, when you need it. Yeah. And I think this goes back to, Hugo, what you said earlier was like managing your energy, right? Like, what is it that gives mm -hmm. you energy? For, you know, I'm, I obviously don't know for you, but I'm, I'm assuming you really get energized from actually having these conversations and being definitely, able to, in being able to educate your audience in this way. Um, but maybe you don't get your energy from sitting and editing for hours on it, right? So, but then someone else may get their energy from doing that, right? So, again, right. it's all about like determining being very, very intentional with your time and your energy and where do you want to spend it? Because one thing you won't get back in life is time, right? You can, get money, you can get money back, you can get whatever material things back, but you can't ever get time back. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it's, it's funny, another thing that I've found interesting is like, and I don't know if this is just like a Latino, like people of color thing, but a lot of people feel like they need to get all these certifications and all these like higher education degrees in order to like validate themselves and their, and their worth and their skill sets. But then, you know, if you're like, oh, well, maybe you should hire a career coach. And they're like, oh, well, I don't want to spend that on a career coach. But then you're willing to spend $80,000 on a master's then you're not even sure if that's the masters that is going to take you to the next level or take you to where you really want to go professionally. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's interesting right. um, that people yeah. are so quick and, to and, 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 I, and I find, <laughs> and, and I find that, uh, and again, cautionary tale for, yeah. um, again, the elephant in the room, right? I mean, we're in a global pandemic and a lot of people are, losing their jobs, right? Because companies are having layoffs and what have you. And in my circle of friends, a couple of folks are talking about, oh, okay, perfect. So I'm gonna go back to school and get my MBA that I always wanted. Careful now, because you're probably gonna go to Zoom University for your MBA, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. and at the end, you go to an MBA because you, your network, right? So how about instead of doing that, how about you start a podcast about careers and then you just do informationals with all the folks that you want to learn from, uh, you know, or instead yeah. of, you know, take that money and start a business in something that you wanted to do. So again, like the MBA, like uh, don't do it unless you're like hundred percent sure that that's what you want to do. Right. 
So I'll tell you a little secret. I actually am an MBA dropout. I realized I hated it. <laughs> and the, good part is, the good part is I did not pay for it because I worked at Northeastern. Uh, so I was going to school for free. And I actually like was very intentional about that. I, I said I did not want to pay for school. Um, and so I purposefully looked for a job at a university so I could go to school for free. So that's why I actually worked at Northeastern. And then I realized like a year into the program, I was like, yeah, nah. <laughs> I was right. like, this is not for me. Well, I was fortunate that I didn't spend, you know, tons of money um, at school. But, but it's, just, it's funny because I felt the same way. I, I kind of had this like, okay, well, now I'm back in Boston. The next step makes sense is to get my master's, you know, and I was always surrounded by people who all had their master's degrees or were going to, you know, to their graduate schools. And so I just felt like that was what I needed to do. Or I, I felt that like that was my next step. Um, and I feel like a lot of people are kind of socialized that way as well. Like, okay, now you yeah. have your bachelor's. So when are you going to get your master's? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Can I work a little bit first and see what it is that I actually want to do and I actually enjoy? Um, and if I need a master's to do it, then I'll get it. If not, I can just keep it keep it moving. Um, so many people, like so many business owners didn't even get their bachelor's degrees, right? You have someone like, like Mark Zuckerberg. I don't even think he graduated Harvard, right? He, he's one of the richest people in the world. Um, I think there's a lot of just like socialization that we have in our cultures as well. We value education a lot. Um, now more than ever, I think there's been something like, I forgot the number, but I read an article that like Latinos have been graduating from university at like record numbers, um, in the past couple of years, which is amazing. Right. But at the same time, it's also like, okay, now how much debt do they have? Right. right? Um, and that's the part that for me, I don't think is emphasized enough is the amount of debt you have to then accrue in order to get this degree to validate you as a capable human being. <laughs> right. So it's really, it's an interesting, it's just, it's very interesting. I, li I like to look at things from an objective point of view and I like to sure. see things like- I, And, and I look at the industry, right? Look, look yeah. at the industry, right? So, so places like Apple or Google, they came out and said that, okay, if you're gonna work at Apple or Google, you don't need a college degree. Show us you can do the work. Mm -hmm. So, so, so looking at the industry trends tells you stuff. Uh, you know, the fact that uh, Facebook is going to have, uh, is not planning on going to the office or meetings till June of 2021. Okay, that tells me about the trends, right? So, so looking at what the industry is doing, I think that's also a great way of, you know, planning your career or at least have some context on yeah. the choices you, you make. Definitely. Definitely. And, and also being real with yourself, like being very honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. What are the things that I enjoy doing? What are the things that I'm good at? Right. And one thing that I've been doing recently, because it's funny, I do career coaching, but I'm actually also being coached by a career coach. That's, so that's great. the best coaches, I've heard, this is what I've been learning. The best coaches are always being coached as well. So they're always trying to learn and expand their minds too. So one thing that my coach has me doing is actually reaching out to the people near me, people who know me well and asking them to, to tell me, right, what are my strengths, right? What are some things about me um, that you think are like my superpower? 
right? Yes. And that's something that everyone can do. Everyone can say, hey, if, if you really can't be objective with yourself and you don't know what your strengths are, then ask the people around you, right? And it's actually, it's gonna be really surprising what you get because you, you might not even think that those are your strengths. And then everybody's saying that this is your strength. And then that's something for you to think about. Wow, if this is something I'm really good at and this is my strength, and clearly I'm not like trying hard for this to be my strength. It's kind of a natural strength that I have. What kind of role could I have that uses this strength where I can use this skill set, right? So I think that's really helpful too, is just getting objective perspectives from other people. Um, because there may be things that like, you don't even think about yourself that other people know you for, right? right. And um, that's super helpful. Yeah, no, and that's a, and then that falls into the area. Uh, and again, we could spend another hour talking about this and I, ho I hope that you come back for a second part. Uh, I probably will have because, to, I'm probably gonna have to. Because, <laughs> because, because this falls into this intersection that it's your strengths, what do you wanna be, what do you want to be known for? Yeah. And this whole thing called branding that Dude. I find that, now that we live in a in a online world right that you know we're going to be working online for for the duration of this thing yeah. i think that it's so much more important now to be aware 100%. of that 100 um, so and so we tell that all the time to our students mm -hmm. too linkedin is now your professional face like linkedin whether you like it or not that's the first thing any recruiter or hiring manager is looking at is your LinkedIn profile. Um, especially now, as you mentioned, we're in a Corona world, a virtual world, like that's your face, right? So what does your LinkedIn say about you? Or what do you want it to say about you? How do you want to, like you just said, brand yourself to the world? Definitely, yeah. definitely. So Christina, uh, can I get a yes on coming for a second part? Yes, Sorry for I'm putting down. you on the spot. I am down, <laughs> I'm coming back. <laughs> that's awesome no th this has been super energizing thank you so much uh, really you appreciate you you taking the time uh, middle of the week thank you um, i'm wondering uh, if you have anything else you like to share or promote with the audience anything yeah. that you'd like to mention how can they reach you yeah definitely um so as we just mentioned linkedin um i am my friends call me like the LinkedIn queen. So I'm the LinkedIn master. So please, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Christina Costa. I can even put my link if you want to in there. Just find me. But the only thing I recommend, if you do reach out to me, please send me a message. Let me know who you are. Um, don't just, you know, reach out and, don't reach out and um, say nothing, right? Let me know who you are so that I can Definitely. accept you and, and have a little bit of context. Um, that's one thing I would say. And then the second thing I would say is, if you are feeling in a rut or you're feeling that you're not confident in your career path, um, be proactive about that, right? Don't just let time continue passing by and, and going, you know, the day in and day out of the same routine, right? Because what was it, what's that saying? Um, oh, I forgot what the saying is. Uh, the definition of insanity? Yes, that one. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, right? So be proactive with your life. Be intentional with your life. I guarantee you, you will feel much better about yourself and your life if you are actually purposeful and intentional with where you spend your time and your energy. 
Um, I don't think enough people do that. I think a lot of people just go through the motions um, and just kind of get carried away in, the, in habits, right? I've been reading a lot of books about habits uh, and how we're literally creatures of habits. Like human beings, like 90% of what we do is habit, right? And so being conscious is a huge advantage because if you are conscious, then you're like, oh, well, this is a habit that I do, but it doesn't really energize me. So how can I replace this mm -hmm. habit with something that does energize me? right? Um, but that consciousness is really important. That's, that's amazing. Uh, okay. okay. Thank you so much. Uh, I feel like we could Thank talk for know. hours. I know. Um, we probably so happy that, I'm so happy that we connected and, and we will stay in touch for sure. Uh, for sure. Thank you so much, Christina.